0: Stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm Kevin Cook, and I talked Tracy into letting me guest host this episode because I'm dying to talk about something on which she is the best expert I know. That's right. I'm going to interview Tracy Reinick on her own show. The topic is the stunning growth happening in the housing market in the aftermath of COVID-19. Maybe you already know that Tracy knows her stuff when it comes to big city apartment rents, foreclosures, vacation homes, and generally all things real estate. But I just got a big reminder of this when she did a presentation for Zach's editors and strategists two weeks ago. And it gave me sort of a a big epiphany about the demographics of the U.S. economy, which will unfold in this decade. And, And housing sort of helps us tell that story. So Tracy, welcome to your own show.
1: Thanks. Thanks for hosting.
0: <laughs> so I want to. I'm just going to go over some of the slide presentation that you gave for us a couple weeks ago because it um, it'll like spur the questions that that I'm curious about and the things that I that stood out to me. Uh, you titled your presentation. Housing Mania in 2020, <laughs> yeah. which it, which is a surprising title, right? And you said, hint, this isn't 2008. So you know, right. implying we're not staring at a bubble. And w- what I enjoyed so much is you you brought so many statistics about different market areas in the country um, and what some of the, the general trends were. Um, and you, you brought the national data, too, about how there was sort of this historic shift in housing, happening, coming out of, you know, the the Corona crash, uh, where where uh, home sales and home starts and existing sales and permits were just breaking records, uh, and and even the home builder sentiment was at all time high. Um, you know, they're usually tooting their own horn, but uh, that that National Association of Home Builders, when they're optimistic, and the companies are optimistic it seems like good things are happening right
1: definitely although they can as you said toot their own horns sometimes but the interesting thing i feel this time is they're not tooting it that loud which makes me believe that it is legitimate demand it is like a legitimate change in the market because they they don't have to toot
0: yeah and i want to i want to talk about some of these specific market areas that you know and some of the trends like there you know there's this trend of hey everybody's working remotely you know why do i need to live in the city anymore and there's been some migrations to the suburbs but i, I want to just share a couple of tweets because you were on uh lennar reported earnings uh was it last night and then you were on the call this morning and uh here was here were a couple of your tweets in the past hour or so you said On home builders, each will have its own strategy on how to deal with the surging demand, which will remain even after there's a COVID vaccine. The key to their pricing power and high margins is lack of existing and new inventory. And then the second tweet that I want to read. Also, it's clear that there hasn't been enough home building over the last 10 years. That's because of the hangover from the housing bust. But that means the home industry isn't ready for the crush of millennial buyers. So, and that's a theme we'll come back to. So what is the surging demand going on for housing? And I can see how if that runs into an inventory shortage, um, are we seeing housing prices go up and where's the surging demand coming from?
1: Yeah, it's like a two prong thing that's going on right at the exact same time. So it is kind of perfect conditions for the home builders. First, you have what you already mentioned was the uh, COVID response. So you had people in very dense urban areas where they might've had a lot of COVID cases like New York City, and those people have decided, I don't wanna be in my small apartment, I need to get out of here and I wanna get out of the city and leave. So they're leaving. But you also have some people who are just trapped in their more dense apartments who just wanna leave because they want the outdoor space. So you have those people leaving. Then you have the demographic issue of which COVID also uh, shown a light on as well, some people maybe renting their apartment in these urban areas and then you know putting off like, oh, we don't need to move to, the, to buy a house yet or anything because um, we're fine in this apartment. But then they were trapped in there with COVID. They might've had a, a baby or a young child or even a dog. And they were like, no, we need to get out of this maybe sooner than they were thinking they would need. And so they're, they're moving um then you have the work from home issue which affected everybody not even just in urban areas where their house just wasn't working either it was an apartment that didn't have like a separate office and um so that wasn't working or they had a house but again it didn't have any other kind of private space where they could work from home or maybe there's two of them working from home plus the kids home schooling everybody's there and then they decided right you know, I need to go change that. So those people are moving. Um, But then you have the demographics of the millennials, the largest generation in U.S. history now, and they're reaching the age now, even though they're marrying later, but that later age group now, around age 28, is now marrying, forming new households. And that is normally when they want to be buying something, either a condo, a townhouse, or a house. And so now we're gonna get several years of a surge of millennials who are out there and want to own.
0: Yeah, that that was the big epiphany for me when you when you talked about, you know, the the sort of central tendency age of millennials being around 28. And I had just seen some research about how much later People are getting married. Yeah, you know there, there was this sort of this uh, this trough in in the '70s where people were still getting married pretty young. It was sort of a trend since World War II that, um, and the average age dropped into the low 20s, say 23. Yeah, and and now it's like up at age 31. So yeah. if if millennials are still, you know, it, it's their inclination to think about marriage much later after they've established a career for both men and women. Um, and so their peak family formation is still two to three years away. Um, and family formation is what drives large economic activity. Right. Um, so so yeah, so it, it looks like a, a, a an economic boom could be on the way this decade because of the, these demographics.
1: Yeah. And I always get the response on Twitter when I try to make that argument that, oh, but millennials are broke. They have <laughs> all the they can't afford to buy anything. And some of that is that is the case on the coast. Um, you know, if you're in Los Angeles, yeah, you might have a difficulty buying a house in Los Angeles, even with these low mortgage rates. But the vast majority of everyone else is living in The middle part of the country, or they will move from Los Angeles, possibly somewhere else, especially if it's work from home, where they can afford, you know, to buy something. And those record low mortgage rates are making it affordable. If you move to Columbus, Ohio, yeah, you can buy something.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's kind of a a a false generalization to say, well, millennials, you know, don't have any money. And I mean. If that were the case, then we who would be working for corporate America, right? As boomers right. retire, <laughs> right. you know, we've got we've got a few generations here, um, and maybe maybe millennials are seen as not having the the wealth assets of say um, Generation X, right. but they're young, you know, and yeah. and it right. doesn't mean they're not going to form families and aspire to uh, having a home, and you know, uh, raising kids. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, what are like? I want to look at some of the markets where you've seen things stand out. So, you, you one one of your bullet points was, you know, the work from home trend allows migration out of expensive coastal cities like New York City and San Francisco. Um, you mentioned people going to the suburbs. Uh, what 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 was the pandemic buying you saw in the New York City region?
1: Well, they have been fleeing the city there, and so that is one of the major cities that you know, is seeing a big, sharp decline, in Manhattan, at least. Brooklyn is actually seeing the opposite, a surge in sales in Brooklyn, probably because you can still get a lower price point there. So it's not, some of the people aren't, you know, totally fleeing for COVID reasons. They're fleeing for price reasons, but all the counties surrounding New York City now have seen a, a huge surge, including multiple offers on homes because the inventory is really low. Like there just aren't that many houses. And suddenly you had all these people who are like, eh, I need to move and I want to I want to go out there and there just isn't enough houses on the market.
0: Yeah, so, you, you noted uh, Westchester County had a 112 percent increase in sales yeah. uh, in July Fairfield, Connecticut, a 73% increase in sales.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, a decent jump for those suburbs, especially in the middle of summer. You usually get the big surge in the springtime. So everything has been pushed back because of the pandemic, obviously.
0: And then the and then you noted the corresponding drop in co-op and condo contracts in Manhattan. Right. You know to back that up.
1: Yeah. So when everybody says, oh, the cities are doomed, you know, everybody's fleeing out of them, they're still saying that about Chicago too. It's not totally true. It's, they are fleeing out of Manhattan right now. (laughs) Right. um, Most of the other, you know, boroughs are doing well. And in Chicago, it's not clear from the data here that anybody's actually fleeing. There is, strong demand in the chicago suburbs too for some of these same reasons of hey i just want more space and that's where i can afford it so they're moving out there but the neighborhoods in chicago outside of the downtown high rises are still super hot as well as the suburbs so they're not fleeing the city they may be fleeing you know these dense uh smaller condos with no outdoor space type of neighborhoods
0: yeah and and city living in Chicago just, you know, really got um, it, it got so much more beautiful. Like you look at some of the the the, the buildings uh, that were built on the river. Uh, a couple of gorgeous buildings there at you know where the where the river splits north and south. Um, on Wolf Point, you're talking. Yeah, about- yeah, and a, and a, a yeah you know, like a, across from the Merchandise Mart, just a couple of stunning buildings there. Uh, is that going to be? Well, are, you know, are those um, are those all condos? Those, apartments, and will there be a glut there?
1: Yeah, well, those are apartments. There's two big uh, apartment buildings on that island there. Uh uh-huh. um, But there is, uh, yes, to answer your question, they've built, you know, over ten thousand new apartments in downtown Chicago over the last number of years now, I think five, six years. And everything was being absorbed until the pandemic hit. And now we're seeing the opposite happen. In the second quarter, right at the heat height of the pandemic, it was like 89% occupancy, which is very low for those buildings. And it, that was the lowest in 18 years. So even lower than it ever got in the 2008, 2009 recession, where a lot of people were out of work then and weren't renting you know, nice apartments in downtown Chicago either. But it, I think it got to like 92% or so in that recession. So this, this is pretty extreme, but we don't know yet if that was the low. All the apartment landlords are doing pretty uh, nice um, kind of incentives here. At least two months free rent is what you can get. And then some of the rents have started to come down a little bit to try to give even more incentives. So that's something to watch on the rents. But the underlying thing is these weren't the condos like the housing bubble. We had the same situation but with you know condos back then here in Chicago. And then we had all the foreclosures in those. And it took you know numerous years for that inventory to be absorbed. But here... So far, um, nobody's in real financial trouble yet, but that takes a while to develop, right? That's going right. to take, you know, a couple of years down the pike before these big landlords can't pay, you know, the mortgage on that. So yeah, that's and watch. You, know, you don't, you don't know.
0: One of the big tailwinds, obviously, is monetary policy. Um, if we were concerned a couple of years ago that, you know, oh, interest rates are going to head higher um now that 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 worry has been taken off the table for for builders and developers they know they can finance just about anything right With the federal reserve
1: right and so far the banks are still willing even right now still willing to lend at least here in chicago there's a couple big developments that are brewing One of them on the north side on a big piece of land and that developer who does have a a reputation in the city and has built other bigger developments um, has said that they've approached their lenders and they haven't gotten the red light to like begin maybe not this year, but into next year to begin construction on like a big development. It would be like apartments and condos probably. Mm -hmm. It, that tells you so far the lenders have not soured on the big cities at least chicago they haven't said oh no this is you know going to be something bad for years and we're not going to want to be there so that's something to watch too once the developers you know if they if the door is slammed then that'll be a different story but right now they're building a 70 story high rise uh, right downtown which will be a combination of apartments and condos but that was already under construction before the pandemic hit.
0: Okay. And um, I love to talk Chicago with you cuz you're you're still down there. Yeah. Um, and you know they had just really beautified the riverwalk too. You know so yeah. just making it you know just a, a just a whole experience being along the river and um, and these you know beautiful architecture both you know a set, from the century old buildings um, do they still run any of the river boats either for taxi service or even the architectural tours, or are those still all shut down because of COVID?
1: The tours have come back, but oh, it's on a, yeah, it's on a limited schedule and they obviously have taped the seats so that you can socially distance. And if the weather's decent, you're out on the, on the upper deck, mm-hmm. so outside. So they have been running some of those. Um, but the water taxi was going to come back, and then it kind of took a poll of all of its its uh, regulars and decided yeah. that not enough were going back to the office. So there just wasn't the demand there. So they decided not to come back until next spring. So hopefully in March 2021, they will relaunch after the winter season because they usually don't run much in
0: the winter. Yeah. So, um, you know... If somebody just uh, heard a headline or saw a headline that, oh, people are fleeing the cities for the suburbs, you know, that's not really the whole story. Um, you know, there is the, the, um, there is a housing shortage, so to speak, for single family homes, right? Right. And that's, and that's causing um, this spike in demand, which is good for the home builders. Um, but there's just more, it's it's more fluid than that because people can move around um, and just you know, maybe change the state they're in if they can work remotely. Hey, um, I think one thing that stood out is you said that uh, uh, was it Boise, Idaho was yeah. was some new hot market.
1: Yeah, it's one of the hottest markets in the U.S. right now, is Boise for the new new homes.
0: Right, and you know what I thought it's like maybe it's like the new Denver because yeah. it, because it's closer to Seattle and San Francisco than Denver, but you can have that you know, that, uh, rural mountain life sort of too.
1: For sure. And it's definitely cheaper than Denver,
0: right? <laughs> Denver is
1: pretty pricey in my opinion. So, um, so yeah, it's like a cheaper Denver and they're able to get land there. So they're able to build, you know, these big new developments there. So yeah, Boise, Atlanta was another one that several of the home builders have said they are seeing incredible demand. And then Florida it's, it's, it's back, it's back as as strong as it was during the housing bubble without some of the speculation. They're not overbuilding there either. They're just having a lot of the influx. And then Florida and Texas and some of those uh, warmer states, I should call them, are also benefiting from the baby boomers wanting to move. So a lot of those northern baby boomers have decided, um, some have pushed forward retirement, they decided they had enough being locked in their houses in the north during COVID, and they're just they're they're going a full in and they're just moving to Florida. So you got them moving, plus millennials also wanting to chase at the sun, as one of the home builders said on their conference call. Um, and so those are really hot areas right now any of those areas where the home builders are, you know, trying to buy out local home builders just to get their land
0: uh-huh. in some
1: cities because that's what's gonna be, you know, tough going forward is getting land. And then you continuously hear, and I just heard on the Lenar call again about the shortage in labor and how hard it is to get the right you know, people to build the houses. <laughs> we don't, we think all these people are unemployed and all of that, but a lot of the tradesmen uh, kind of, you know, either retired or changed professions after the housing bust because it was okay. so severe, the downturn over 10 years ago. And now, now that the demand is picked up again, we need like we need the Millennials we need a whole new generation or Gen Z's to come into those professions and that's going to take a couple of years too so that's pushing up the cost of the homes because they have to pay more to get you know the trades guys in there even even just the painters they said they they have hard time getting even painters in there
0: wow then that that's something I would not have guessed that there's a shortage of uh construction labor yeah one uh, in in your slide presentation, one of the um, stats you used, uh, NAR. I, I forget what that's an acronym for. Um,
1: Association of Retailers or, or Realtors.
0: Retailers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they. So if we needed any proof about where the buyers are coming from, this graphic shows 38% of buyers in 2019 were millennials. Um, you know, dominating. You know, the, the bulk of the new buyers. Yeah. So it's it's hard to say that they don't have money and aren't, uh, uh, you know, aren't buying homes.
1: Right. They definitely are out there as they should be as the biggest generation. And remember their age group now is about 23 to 40. So, you okay. know, those, those in their thirties for sure should be,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, buying. They've had you know, the family formation already and all that. So they're not as young. We all, a lot of people like to say, oh, they're still in the parents' basement and all of that. Right. (laughs) But um, most got out of the parents' basement for a good number of years. Now, unfortunately with this recession, some may have, may probably are returning home because they're out of work. Um, But most of those were probably renters, not buyers. Yeah. And on the younger end of the millennials.
0: Scale. Yeah, I think that we tend to love that uh, that sort of that tale story about the, uh, you know, the 30 year old moving back in with mom and dad. Right. But it's not the it's not the primary trend. It's just, yeah. you know, it's it's an ancillary trend. Um, so th- th- that's why I get so excited about this idea that, um, you know, here we have this big generation and they're, you know, the, the trend is to postpone marriage, you know, established career. And, you know, and then, you know, then people start thinking about, well, you know, maybe I, I do want to have a family and, you know, and it's not, this isn't true of like the millennial, you know, you know, your friend or your coworker or, you know, your niece or nephew, it's, it's generally speaking among, you know, tens of millions of yeah. young people. And, and, but that's, but that's how economics works, you know, a. a a primary wave of population, um, you know creates productivity and economic activity and and um, and you know makes an economy thrive,
1: yeah. And I think people really are underestimating what is going to happen over the next couple of years. Um, and I think that's because we were burned with what happened with the housing market over the last decade. We you know, had the housing bubble, it crashed, it took four years to reach a bottom. And then it's been a slow grind ever since. And the home builders aren't anywhere even close to producing the number of homes that they were producing over 10 years ago. But now we have this generation that needs them to be producing it for mm-hmm. legit reasons, like legit demand reasons. And we've all kind of been like, "Oh, housing, you know, it doesn't do doesn't do anything. blah blah. But I really believe that the the home builders and even just the whole general housing industry, including you know paint and kitchens, appliances, all that stuff furniture, um, is really going to enter into for this generation this kind of golden period of a couple of years where there is this sustained demand, and it's similar to when the baby boomers did their, you know, formation home formation, and that was a huge driver for the economy too. Now, home the home industry is only about ten percent of GDP right now. So it's down a bit from when the baby boomers, when it would have been a bigger percentage. But still, if we can get that that 10%, you know, humming along over the next couple of years, it is a big deal for the economy.
0: Now, does that 10% figure, does that include things like appliances Yeah. and, and improvements and that sort of thing? Okay. Yeah, it does. Uh, um, I mean, but and it's also then a, uh, a chance for a, somewhat of a revival of manufacturing in the U.S. since— Since many corporations are sort of repositioning their supply chains because of COVID, and bringing some manufacturing home, you know, it's sort of a virtuous circle there. um, For you know, housing and yeah, you know, we've got to build, you know, they've got to build the appliances and uh, everything you need for your house. Yeah. So it it, this all sort of uh, uh, makes you ask is another bubble forming and that's one of your slides in your presentation. and it, it seems like you don't think so because the the speculation isn't there. It's like if, if we had the wild speculation of the flippers and you know the uh, the waitress with uh, with five mortgages uh, you know 10, 15 years ago, that's not present this time even though interest rates are really low.
1: Right. They've kept a lid on the credit. It's still not that easy to qualify to okay. get the mortgage. They, you know, they're still checking everything after they put in new regulations after the bust because it, it did get too easy. Um, so that those tighter restrictions are still pretty much in place. Like you still need the FICO score, you still have to document that where you get your income and your job. It's still a little difficult if you're like uh, a self-employed, you can do it, but it's still a little difficult. Um, So yeah, that, that aspect, the credit aspect is, isn't there for the bubble, not yet. And probably, you know, that's like years down the road. And we do have this, just the strong uh, supply demand, Equation going on. If we had high inventory like we did in 2007, then that would be a different story. That's when the home builders were building like crazy. They they had you know their spec houses. They had people you know they had houses that nobody was going to be buying, just sitting out there because they were so sure they were going to sell them. And now they're talking about how they can't even keep their old inventory. Lenara was saying that they had a premium on inventory, which normally doesn't happen with new home builds because people want to like put in their order for the new house. They want it like how they want it. And they're willing to wait usually one to two years or however long that particular home builder a year to get the house. But now they just want the house right now. Mm -hmm. So they're able to price a premium on their completed homes, which uh, says a lot. About the strength of the market, but both right now, both existing home inventory is really, really low. Plus, the new homes are really low. That's wow. at like a ten-year low. I,
0: I haven't, uh, since I haven't been commuting. I haven't driven through Lake County in Northern Illinois lately, and I, I'm curious to do so because it always struck me when, when there was, uh, you know, a new housing development, a new neighborhood, so to speak, um, you know, and. It, they never look that attractive right because they don't have any trees right? right and there's and there's nothing around it's just that a builder got a piece of land and decided okay we're going to build you know 30 homes or 80 homes here and it just looks so plastic and fabricated but eventually those become neighborhoods and then you see you know there's a, a new shopping center a new a new great new grocery store nearby a good school and and it's neighborhoods sort of get created um, and those homes eventually sell. I want to talk about some of the some of the builders specifically, because I, um, you know, you uh, you had a slide here where showing um, we use the Zacks Rank, which is a, a measure of uh, earnings momentum. Where if they if the Wall Street analysts are seeing profits rise for these companies in the next few quarters, then we give it um, a strong Zacks Rank of a, a number one strong buy. And so many of the home builders already had. The, the high ranking from Zach's yeah. because of the earnings momentum. Can you sort of characterize who the different players are? Like, like if you say Toll Brothers, I think of, um, you know, aren't those like the $400,000 homes and up like up to 700,000? Is that, is that so, sort of the luxury um, tier of single family homes?
1: Yes, but it's more luxurious than that now.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you can't get all, off, you not buying Toll Brothers for 500,000? <laughs>
1: yeah, um, yes. They, Toll Brothers is the only publicly traded luxury home builder. And okay. they, their average price right now is like between 800 and let's just say 900,000. Wow. They, they go up to 3 million in like Orange County. And you can, they go down to around 500,000 for what they are calling affordable luxury line, and that is targeted to millennials or any first-time homebuyer, and that was 25% of their sales this last quarter. So, um, those aren't as custom. Their other homes are customized to exactly what you want. But the the affordable luxury is more off a of plan, but there's some customization, but it's you know not as not as custom as the the bigger homes. So yeah, Toll Brothers kind of stands out in a little bit different. They also have urban condos that they're building in Manhattan. I think it's in Manhattan. It's in New York City, I know. Um, and they have a couple buildings that they've already completed that they're in selling. So they've gotten a lot of questions about like how's that business. So obviously that's not doing quite as well right now, but they'll sell those out. That they're not worried about that. And then they have I think at least I think it was one building that might have been under started construction. They're just going to continue with that. But they have some land that they've decided to, you know, postpone doing anything on. Because in the cities, it's kind of unclear what's going to be happening over the next couple of years with the demand in for those condo type of product. But otherwise, they build in you know the big hot, hot markets like Boise and Atlanta, Northern Virginia, Florida, Texas, the big okay. the big houses.
0: Okay. What about um, a Pulte or a KB? How would you characterize them?
1: Um some of those are more just like the national larger home builders so but each one kind of has its own targeted market a little bit so pulte is one of the big national guys i think they're in like 29 states along with um, Lennar. those are probably the two biggest ones okay. and you've horton they're pretty big too actually and you know they're all those price points on average are a lot lower more around 400,000 but it depends on the market you know like where you're where you're building so KB home tends to be a little more western oriented because they're headquartered out there and so their price point is a little higher because if you're in California and you're building new homes there you just you're not building them at 400,000 you're just not for the most part
0: right um, and, so, and i'm I'm looking at an updated list of the home builders on zax.com okay. at the zax rank and all of these are either Zach's number one rank or number two rank which means that the wall street analysts have been raising estimates um you know looking ahead to to stronger profit growth
1: yeah that's pretty impressive for like the entire industry but it's the same story at all of them i mean they just keep coming out saying the same thing that they are seeing. Incredibly strong demand. People even in past the summer now. I mean, we're in September now when we're recording this, and they're still seeing it. And normally, you'd see pretty strong slowdown right now. It, that's just how they normally would work into the fall, and then for sure into the winter. But right now, that that's not the case. <laughs> so,
0: um, oh, I just I just remembered what I the strong association I have was KB Home. That's um, uh, Eli Broad. Uh, he's a, an American billionaire entrepreneur on the West Coast. Okay. Um, he's like the 230th wealthiest person in the US. Uh, but he's he's quite the philanthropist too. I remember when he retired a few years ago, he had been still going down to his office in LA and just doing pure philanthropy work. Wow. Um, yeah, really interesting guy. Yeah. So um, I think we talked about, so we, uh, what about um, uh, Beezer or MDC? What, are those smaller players? Um,
1: smaller, but you know, it's the same story. i I own MDC in my own portfolio. okay. And I own it in the value investor. And the reason i I like them is they have very good cash flow and they pay among the highest dividend right now. A lot of them pay dividends, and they didn't cut them during the pandemic. So that's another thing that to look for. If you're an investor in this area, um, uh-huh. But it's is—it's almost like you should just buy the ETF because you want to get, like, the whole group. The story is the same industry-wide, including... Lennar said that today. They said they see strong demand still going on into the fall. They they expect it in the foreseeable future because of these demographic issues with the millennials forming families, and they see it industry-wide for the next several years. So Lennar is, you know, they're... one of one, if not the largest home builder. So if they're saying they're seeing this, everybody else is too.
0: Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned an ETF. Is that the ITB?
1: Um, there's a couple of them. Is that the main one? You can probably get it through the main one.
0: There's yeah, because I think I think XHB, which is like the the Standard and Poor's one, um, doesn't that include?
1: There's uh, one.
0: It's retailers. Yeah. So like it would it would include Home Depot. Whereas yes. I think, whereas I think ITB um, is just the builders. And okay. let me verify that before I go any further. Well, this has you been a great discussion. I
1: kind of like the one that includes the retail. And I used to not like that because okay. I would be like, oh, I just want the home builders. No, I don't want, you know, the crazy retail groups. I don't want the furniture guys and all that stuff. But now I actually do want that. I want the whole thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And- Uh, And you just got validation for that because of, you know, when you look at what a Home Depot or a Lowe's, the kind of business they've been able to do uh, during COVID, where people are like, hey, I got all this free time. I'm at home. Let's fix it up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's the focus on the home. You know, the Lenar guy said on their call that the house, he said, it's your office. It's your gym. and then. I wrote down in my notes it's your life now yeah basically. uh for the yeah. first time since we were farming since we were a farming economy where your world was focused on on that one place you work there you live there and that was your life and because of the pandemic that's the same thing happening all these years later to everybody and so that's put even more pressure on the home and on, you know, even if you decide you're not moving or any of that, you decided, hey, maybe I hate that pink color, or right. I, I need like some new mirrors or lamps,
0: yeah. or, or a yeah, desk. you know, I, uh, we have a freshman in high school here, and it was uh, it was sort of a big deal to let let's get the room, you know, fixed yeah. up for virtual schooling, right? Uh, and I just looked up the ITB um, ETF. It Correct. is from. It is from ishares it's called the ishares us home construction etf and that does include the retailers so you've got home depot sherwin williams and lowe's uh, all in there in in the top 10 for uh for uh, market cap exposure where um, dh horton and lennar are the the top weightings uh both around 13 14 percent well tracy this has been a great discussion and i want to thank you for letting me guest host the market edge podcast um, you, you have yeah. so much to teach us about the housing market from, you know, condos in the city to, uh, the, the big houses out in the suburbs that, uh, toll brothers sells for $900,000. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we could talk about this, uh, it, you know, we could do, we could do another two hours on this, but I, I, I just really wanted to have you share with people your expertise. And know that you're a resource for this, and that the big theme is that is the demographics and what it you know what it's gonna do not just for the housing market but for the u s economy overall. you know we not everything has gone virtual <laughs> right. we're not li- we're not living in a purely digital world. We also you know people want to have uh, homes and start families and you know have a yard and that kind of thing, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, it's a real hot area that people, you know, investors should be watching
0: yep. over the next couple of years. All right. Um, in the article version on zachscom for the podcast, we'll have um, we'll have all the tickers and links to the companies uh, so you can learn more about them. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Tracy, Tracy will be back running her own show next week. <laughs> we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.